Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. And today we have a very, very special guest. This is a young man who is our best friend for seven hours every <laughs> Sunday during the season. A young man who abuses his bladder for our entertainment every Sunday. A longtime veteran of football, television, media. It is, of course, Scott Hansen of NFL Network and everyone's favorite program, NFL Red Zone. Scott, what's going on? Adam, good to be with you, man. That was quite an intro. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. And I, I especially appreciate you acknowledging the bladder sacrifice that I have to make for the benefit of all of the football junkies that are out there. Uh, these people are sick. Like we asked for questions, which we'll get to later in this podcast. And like half the questions were about your bathroom habits, you know, and I know you're used to it by now. We can get into that sure. later, but people are sick with the bathroom stuff. Um, <laughs> Everyone's fascinated by it. I can tell you that. Seriously. Okay. I, I have a ton of questions about the show, not related to, to urination, yeah. but, but first I, I wanted to ask how we got here. I, I know that you were with Comcast here in Philly. I know you were with Comcast down in the DC area. Then in 2006, I think that was only like maybe two or three years after NFL Network started, you get the job at NFL Network. It seems obvious now that like niche content is king. But at the time, did you think a channel just dedicated to one sport would actually work? Yeah. Um, well, I thought you meant when you were going to say how how I ended up here, I thought you meant on the podcast, which oh. the answer to that, of course, is any, any friend of Pat Foreman's is a friend of mine. Yeah. And so... Uh, I've known Pat for a while. He's a great guy. By the way, I like to fiddle with a football when I'm doing some of these. Is that cool? Beautiful. Okay. Um, yeah, no, how I ended up, how I ended up, you know, being the host of NFL Red Zone. Oh, your question specifically though was, you know, did I think niche broadcasting 100%. I absolutely thought, <clears throat> I mean, there had been some niche, uh, I think maybe the first true niche network was, believe it or not, the golf channel. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you, you can go back further. You can go back to the development of CNN. And, and there were people who laughed at, you're going to have news on all day. There's nothing else but news. You're not going to be able to, to do that. News is six o'clock at night and 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, or Walter Cronkite giving me the, the news at, you know, you know, early evening or whatever. And for sports, I think the golf channel was the first one that ever went to, and I'm like, hey, the people that are passionate about golf, that's fine. But when you told me that an NFL channel would be on your dial, it's by far and away the most, not only the most popular sport in the United States, it is one of the most, if not the most popular form of entertainment for the average American. And then obviously it's spread globally in the last decade or, or two. So yeah, when, when, when NFL Network was starting, I knew that would be big. And then specifically when NFL Red Zone was starting and when I got involved, which was right at the ground floor, I thought if we do this well, with the kind of the concept and the and the the thought process behind the channel, if we do this well, this will change the way people watch football. Yeah. Because I could vision it, I could picture it, and I said, if I was sitting home, if I was a doctor or a lawyer or a podcaster or whatever else, and I was free on Sunday, and I had what choice to make to how to consume football, NFL Red Zone is the way I would want to consume football. And now that I'm the host and get to be one of the influencers of how the show is done, I just try and I try and serve people that are like me. Yeah. Well, was it 
your idea, I mean, how did this idea come up? And was it difficult to get buy-in from from the network to do this Red Zone idea? Because I would, I mean, my first impression was like, God, Fox and CBS are going to be pissed. Everybody's going to be watching this. Why, how are we going to screw over our partners like that? Yeah, that's that's a good observation. And, and I hear that question every once in a while. Um, look, there are people on a higher pay grade than I that had to negotiate the contracts that signed off on, well, we're the NFL. And you guys are two of our most valuable partners, you guys in this case being Fox and CBS, who own the what used to be called the AFC and NFC packages, mm-hmm. but they own the, 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 the first two windows of, of games on, on Sundays. And we're going to use your signals to produce this show, but it's going to be an NFL show, and it's going to be on the same time as your early and late window games. There are people, like I said, on a higher pay grade than than, than me that that had to figure all yeah. that out. But it was it was worth it for everybody because everybody signed off on it. And we started in two thousand and nine. Get this: people said, "Oh, we would completely leech the Fox and CBS." Fox and CBS's ratings in the first two or three years of NFL Red Zone, when when people started spreading it word of mouth and everyone was getting on the train, mm-hmm. their ratings went up. Hmm. Their individual ratings went up. So there was enough of the pie to go around, enough, enough of the fandom to go around. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. So was this your idea? I mean, who comes up with this idea? It seems in hindsight so easy, but at the time, I'm sure it was like kind of novel. How did you guys come up with the idea? Yeah. So look, to the best that I can trace it back uh, to its, its nascent stage, I heard a story that there was a direct TV executive, somebody who worked in, in their sports arm on direct TV. And this is years before NFL red zone came on the air. <clears throat> and he was vacationing apparently with his wife uh, over in Europe somewhere and whatever they're going to wherever they're at. But in his hotel, he decided to flip on the TV and to see what is, what is sports television like here in Europe. And apparently he stumbled on a soccer channel that was jumping from game to game. And apparently a light bulb went on in his head and direct TV having the Sunday ticket contract with the NFL for gosh, it's been 15 years, probably maybe more than 15 years that they've had that, that, that package, that, that arrangement they decided to start a thing called the Red Zone Channel. <clears throat> and for your viewers, some of them might be hearing this for the first time, but there actually are two yeah. Red Zones. Most people are familiar with mine, NFL Red Zone. Mm-hmm. It's the one produced and owned by the NFL. But there's another one exclusively on DirecTV called the Red Zone Channel, hosted by Andrew Siciliano. He does a great job. But... Uh, we obviously have the biggest audience because we are distributed everywhere. And that one is just on direct TV. So most people, when they, when they, I think most people, when they talk red zone, they're talking NFL red zone, but direct TV and this executive, and I don't know the person's name or whatever. And it may be, a, there may be a little urban legend kind of mixed into that, but that's how I heard the origin of it. And then really even being an American sports fan, you and I probably remember uh, when March madness used to be exclusively on CBS. When, when that, one of those windows of games, the first four games in four different regions would come down to the wire, they, they really didn't do a great job early in the early years of the television, televising of it, of staggering the 
tip-off times. And so you'd have a lot of games coming down to the final two minutes. Well, Greg Gumbel or whoever it was in studio, they would bounce around on CBS. I mean, TNT and TBS and, and all the rest had not gotten involved yet right. where every game was seen in its entirety. And so I used to sit there and watch it. I was like, this is brilliant. This is the best. This is the be when you get when you get potential buzzer beaters and all these NCAA games. I'm like, why couldn't you do that right. in other in other uh, sports? And football is the best application for it, in my for my money, for a few reasons. One, I can't tell you in a basketball game when a guy is going to steal it at midcourt and go in for a breakaway slam dunk. I can't anticipate that. I can't tell you in baseball. Well, you can kind of say, oh, we got runners on second and third with nobody mm -hmm. out okay, something pretty big is going to happen, but you can't guarantee that something's going to happen at any given moment. And, and it's kind of like that with any other sport, NHL and whatnot. If someone's on the eight-yard line, I can tell you something is consequential going to happen in this game for the offense or for the defense, right? Mm -hmm. yep. That coupled with the 40-second play clock and veteran NFL quarterbacks who use that full 40-second play clock to get into the right play allows us – to execute our show production-wise, where I can say, all right, Tom Brady just hit Rob Gronkowski first down there. Uh, we know we got 40 seconds. I can, I can take you to Dak Prescott. I can get right. you to Aaron Rodgers. I can take you wherever else, sneak in one or two plays, and then we'll come back and see Tom Brady's next snap, and you're not going to miss a darn thing. Yeah. So it's the perfect app. Football and the, and the rhythms of an NFL game are the perfect application for, for a red zone-style show. Sorry yeah. for the long answer. <laughs> no, that's that. It's so true that the time between plays and it's predictable. It makes such a big difference. It's not just an absolute game flow that's going crazy. I I think nowadays I don't know if you realize this. Maybe you do, but nowadays it seems like red zone is for fantasy players. I mean, fantasy players are the ones that are consuming it the hardest. It sounds like in the early days, maybe it was just people who were fans of the game. They wanted to watch the game. Do you think the purpose of red zone channel has shifted from the regular fans? to the fantasy fans? Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, fantasy, I would even venture to say those who put a shekel or two on games uh, mm -hmm. are interested in NFL Red Zone. Uh, and then just football junkies in general. And, and, and here's why. If, if the New England Patriots are your favorite team, then you're going to watch every snap of the New England Patriots. I get it totally, and I wouldn't want to impede on that. But if the New England Patriots are your favorite team, I can almost guarantee you who your second favorite team is. And that's your fantasy football team. And you cannot watch one game to see your fantasy football team and to see your opponent for that week. Mm -hmm. you got to watch every game. And, of course, where are you going to do that? There is one place for one-stop shopping, and that's NFL Red Zone. And, and I love it because I'm a fantasy junkie too. And, and – Every, every time I speak virtually, every time we show a touchdown, right, our average Sunday is 60-some touchdowns. So I'm getting – we're cranking out touchdowns on a regular basis. Every time I say one of those touchdowns, almost every time, it impacts somebody emotionally, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then when you think about it, even if it's a scrub, even if it's somebody scoring a touchdown who nobody has in their starting lineup, that impacts people too because it's like – why didn't they go to so-and-so on this play instead of going to this guy that I've never heard of, the fourth-string wide receiver? Julio Jones was one-on-one -on -one in the corner. Why wouldn't Ryan throw it to him? That type of stuff. So I just – I love being the person who takes people on this emotional roller coaster with their beloved fantasy football teams, and that drives a huge part of our audience. Definitely. Yeah, uh, 
CD Carter, friend of the show, he's so he wanted me to tell you that we can tell who's on your fantasy team. Are you aware that people can tell who's on your fantasy team? Yeah. Ah, CD, <laughs> with all due respect, you might think you know who's on my fantasy team, but I consider myself a professional. And I, because I'll, I'll say this, and I'm not saying CD does or doesn't. In fact, I usually, I think I usually screenshot my fantasy team after our draft. So people might know already, it might be in public before the games even begin that, you know, I got Christian mm -hmm. McCaffrey or whatever. But I'll, I'll say this, I don't think everyone thinks they know as much as, or I think everyone thinks they know more than they know because I get hit up saying, dude, why do you hate the Packers? Dude, show the Packers. Why do you hate them? What are you, a Bears fan? I could totally tell you love the Falcons or whatever. Okay. I hear this all the time and I hear it. I'll hear, why do you hate the Packers? And then I'll hear from another person, why do you always show the Packers, right? Yeah. So, and then I hear, oh, your favorite team is this. I don't have a favorite NFL football team. Honest to God truth, I do not have a favorite NFL team. My favorite NFL team are the Iron Bladders, my fantasy football <laughs> team. Now, CD might think he's got, wait, wait, was CD, right? Was, yep, yep. Yeah, CD might think he knows in fact, we can play a game during the, during the year, CD. You hit me up on Twitter and you say, I, I can tell you had a little extra oomph in that, uh, you know, whoever, Zeke Elliott touchdown. And, and I, I'm betting you got Zeke on your roster. You can hit me up and I'll tell you the truth is if, if it happens or not. But I, go, I, I try and be unbiased. I love dramatic touchdowns more than anything, and that can come from anywhere. Yeah, these people are just projecting their own biases onto you and they do it to me and everybody else too. They, they, you know, they're biased for their team. So they automatically think that we're biased against or for of their course. team. You know, oh, I mean? of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All are, you aware, is local. Uh, are you aware of, of DFS? And I know DFS draft and by DFS, I mean, DraftKings and FanDuel has gotten so popular over the last uh, four or five years or so. Are you aware of DFS? How do you think that that has impacted red zone? Uh, if at all. Uh, yes, definitely aware of, of DFS. Um, I do not play myself. Uh, in fact, one year we were, it was one or maybe two years, our title sponsor was DraftKings. Mm -hmm. When, when the, there was a, a financial battle that was going on behind the scenes to see, you know, who would win the DraftKings fan duel yeah. uh, war, if you will, Coke and Pepsi going after each other like that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and DraftKings was the title sponsor uh, of our show. And, uh, I think, I, I think DFS is great. Uh, I, like I said, I, I don't play myself. Um, I, you know, it's, that, that would be even more of a roller coaster ride. I kind of like the, this is on my own personal taste, but I like the season long, uh, you know, display of knowledge that it takes to beat 10, 11, 12, 13 other sophisticated football fans that you know in your personal life too, your relatives, your friends, yeah. your neighbors, your colleagues that you want to beat the brains out of over the course of a season and get a trophy at the end. You know, DFS, look at it. If, if it's way that people think that they know more than the others or they can, they can make a couple bucks doing it, that's fine. But the, DFS, I'm not, I'm not anticipating a follow-up question necessarily, but if you're asking me, do I do we think about that at all? No. I mean, look, we're going to show every touchdown, right? And we're going to show every big play. So if your DFS is, is impacted by obviously scoring plays, uh, you know, 50 yard runs, 
turnovers. You're going to see all that on NFL Red Zone. So I think we will do a good job of serving the daily fan. Sure. I, I was going to ask, do you guys think about fantasy in the pre-planning of the show? You know, it seems like it comes off so seamlessly. The pre-planning of the show, is there any like, hey, these guys are really important for fantasy this week? Or is it just, hey, we're going to show all the biggest plays no matter what? It doesn't matter for fantasy impact. We're, they're all going to see it anyways. Yeah, it's, that's a good specific question. Um, I do hours and hours and hours of research leading into the show. And, and the reason is, is obvious. It's a seven-hour show, no commercials. It's all ad-libbed off the top of my head. Now, it's informed by what went on in the game. Once Devontae Adams makes a catch, if I didn't see exactly how far he ran down the field, I'm going to look to my guy to my right, who will have a uh, Brian Larrabee and uh, Tim Goyanans, who are awesome, sitting right next to me. And I hope in social distancing world, we haven't exactly worked out the studio setup, but I'm hoping they're still going to sit next to me because they've got the computers and they can tell me it was a, a 38-yard catch mm-hmm. by Devontae Adams as opposed to a 36-yard or 30-yard, whatever. So, like, we're going to show all of those big things. And we would show that for football's sake as well as for fantasy's sake. Um, so do we talk about it? I mean, I'll give you a for instance. When Michael Thomas was going on his run this last mm-hmm. year, we were keeping track as to, dude, this guy's getting 12 catches a game. Like, he literally might break the record. And we were talking about that mid to late October. We're looking at if he stays on this pace, you know, and everyone can say, oh, he's on pace for 50 touchdowns this year or whatever – early in the season that gets ridiculous but we were looking at it now anybody who had Michael Thomas in a a PPR league is wants to see every catch the dude makes even if it's a third three yard little out route or something like that that's still a point right there so so we might not specifically talk fantasy if someone's having a monster day I will say this we do convert it meaning if Aaron Rodgers has a Four touchdown pass, one touchdown rush, 380 yards passing, 54 yards rushing with it, and didn't throw a pick and didn't have a fumble. I might tell my guys, okay, I can give all those numbers. What does that equate to in fantasy? What's his fantasy number? And we'll either just look it up on the computer real quick, or if it's something more sophisticated, we have a direct hotline to the guys at NFL.com and – our fantasy department could calculate something and say, Hey, it's the greatest fantasy performance since whenever or the greatest, what, you know, that type of stuff. So yeah. we do. Yeah. In that regard, we do cater to, to fantasy football. Yeah. fans. Yeah. I, I think it's perfect. I think what some people are asking is like when there's a guy who's really owned in DFS, like say Michael Thomas is 50% owned. People want to see every one of his catches because 50% of the hundreds of thousands, millions of people playing DFS yeah. have this guy. And so it's so important, but I think the way it is, uh, there's no way you can show every catch of every important guy and also show no. all the plays too. No. And, and if, again, if Michael Thomas has a, has a three yard catch, or let's just make it this, let's say it's, it's second and five for the saints and Thomas goes for a six yard catch. Okay, great. It's a first down, but unless it's a two minute drill at the end of the game, we might not cut to that. And we're not going to cut to it because it's worth 1.5 points to a Michael Thomas owner in a, in a, in a PPR league. Now, that being said, Everything we do on NFL Red Zone is a value-based decision, okay? If I don't have anywhere better to go to, Mm -hmm. and if I think, oh, you know what? There was one of the fantasy monsters of the year, and he just had another five-yard catch, and it's his eighth catch of the first half, then I might say, let's sneak it in. But if someone else is in the red zone, I'm going there. 
That's yeah. our, our commitment to the audience is as much red zone action as we possibly can. Uh, every touchdown from every game. And there, and after that, it's drama. We are looking for drama. And so, in other words, some people will hit me up on social media and they'll be like, dude, uh, the Cowboys are on the 50-yard line and you're, and you're showing them when the Seahawks were in the red zone. Okay, the Seahawks were also up 28-7. to And yeah, they were in the red zone and they were up 28-7 to in the fourth quarter over the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But the Cowboys and the Giants are in a four-point game and Dak Prescott's in a two-minute drill and they're at the 50-yard line and they got no timeouts. Which game would be more appropriate to go to? It's true. We're not going to the red zone game and people say, what's your name? What's your name is red zone and stuff like that. You got it. You got it. You guys got to trust us. We, we love the game. There is no one on the planet who wants to show you more football than this guy right here. Okay. And, and I want to show you the drama of it. Okay. But you've got to trust that I know the game and I'll make the value-based decisions. It's not, there was not a boilerplate and we're capable of making the wrong decisions or a wrong decision or a decision that's debatable at the time. But you got to remember, we are flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. I mean, we are, I, I describe it this way. We are Indiana Jones running across the suspension bridge when the bad guys just cut the backside of it off and it's collapsing behind you. We are screaming as we go through eight, nine, 10 games in the early window, making decisions. And you can't stop and look around and take inventory and say, okay, hold on, time out for us. You can't do it. So I I just hope we get a little bit of trust from the audience. And 99% of the audience loves what we do. And it's like, hey, we're we're rolling with you, Scott. And then there's the 1% that's usually loud on social media saying, you suck, you don't know anything about football. I was just gonna say that. The, the the people who are actually intelligent would never think that it's the crazy people, the people who have, you know, single digit IQ that are the ones that are bitching about that. I mean, it's they're out of their minds. Anyways, we've gone long enough here without getting to listener questions. You guys sent in so many good listener questions. I want to get to as many of these as we can in the next 10 minutes or so. First sure. one comes from Josh Kranz. He says, how does Scott get hyped to talk at a screen for seven hours? He's asking <laughs> as a teacher that is currently in Zoom instruction, I need to bring that red zone energy but I'm having trouble. I mean, even right now, you have so much energy. How are you getting so hyped up? You're on like Red Bull or something like that, Scott. No, uh, no Red Bull. I don't drink coffee, believe it or not. Most people think I'm pounding coffee to get all <laughs> caffeinated up. Dude, I'm, I'm a guy who, like, I don't know what anyone's worldview is. And I don't mean to talk too philosophical here, but let me dabble in that for a second. I don't know what your worldview is. I don't know what anyone's watching, what their religion is, what their beliefs are, anything else like that. But I'm pretty sure almost everyone who's watching right now would agree life on this planet is finite. You only get so many heartbeats, baby. How are you going to spend those heartbeats? And no one knows how many they've got. And again, this might sound metaphysical or something like that, but it's true. And almost everyone would go when they really stop and think about it. Yeah, you know what? You only, get, you only get so many days, months, years, and nothing's guaranteed. So how are you going to spend those? When I was a young man, and, and particularly playing football, my coaches w- would coach us to be passionate about the sport. And some guys don't love football, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Football is not for everybody. But I found passion in this. And then beyond that, 
I've learned in my broadcasting career, and this has taken years and years to develop, that having a passion for your subject matter is one thing. But when you're communicating to a mass audience, and I'm talking to millions of people all the time, having a passion to deliver that to the audience, having a passion for the audience's enjoyment mm -hmm. is a separate thing. And, and I've hopefully developed that. So I'm going to give everyone the best I've got. I'm going to give, I committed to do this interview with you right now. I'm going to give you the best that I got. Um, look, I don't want to go too long because I know we got a lot of viewer questions, but let me just circle back real quick. What was the man's name who? Uh, uh, Josh. Jo Josh, first of all, thank you for being a teacher and thank you for doing service in, in your community like that, especially now in 2020 more than ever. We appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, from Matt R. He says, has Scott ever done seven hours hungover? I don't know if you drink it all, Scott, or not, but they want to know, have you done seven hours hungover ever? No, I look at my 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 uh crazy party days, hopefully, are all are all behind me. Uh no, I, I value my my uh professional requirements more than I do my my personal uh social life. I've got plenty of time to socialize. Yeah. So Saturday night, actually Saturday during the day. I put myself on lockdown. So I'm speaking to you from Los Angeles here. I live 10, 15 minutes from the beach. My buddies will all be like, especially in September and the first month of the season, it'll be 80 and sunny here in Los Angeles. They'll all be at the beach. And on Saturday, I am on lockdown in right here in my condo. I've got my computers opened up. I've got my hard copy notes. I'm going through all of my stuff and that's my media wall right there. Oh yeah. Three, five big screens on the wall. I put the best five college football games on in any given window, and I just grind on football all day. So no partying on Saturday night. In fact, with the no bathroom stuff, I've got to watch what I eat and what I drink because obviously input equals output. So I, I, I no, I've never been never been hungover. Uh, I have been injured and I have been sick doing the show before, but but no, never hungover. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't even drink, you know, on Saturday night before I play fantasy. So I can't imagine being on TV in front of millions of, of people. Um, okay. Yeah. All the questions. I mean, half the questions were about this, this urination thing. I, I, I'm i going <laughs> to fold them all into one here. I'll, I'll, I'll read Chris Rudy's. He said, I need some of Scott's takes on strategies for sitting through seven plus hour events without needing a bathroom break. Does he do intermittent fasting? There's no way he's getting through that seven hours without pee breaks. Otherwise, I feel like he's the world's leading expert on this. And then my follow-up is that, is this against your doctor's wishes? Like this does not sound healthy at all for your, for your system, Scott. Yeah, a great question and a great job of folding all those into, into one because I, there's not a day in my life that I don't hear the bathroom question from somebody. Yeah. And everyone, it seems to me, everyone feels like they're the first person to ever ask me that question. <laughs> hey, you know, Scott, you know, we love Red Zone. Uh, me and my girlfriend were wondering, when do you take a pee? And they're asking like, I've, no one's ever asked me that before. But it's great because everyone can relate to it. And I think here's why. Because most people watch all seven hours of the show or a great majority of the seven hours of the show. And if you're sitting there on your couch on Sunday watching it, at some point, nature's going to call and you got to answer the call. But you don't want to get up because you know that on NFL Red Zone, the next great touchdown could be right around the corner. So, like, when do you pick your, when do you pick your time to go? But at some point, you got to give in. You run to the bathroom. You do your thing. You come back, and I'm still talking. So everyone at some point goes, well, wait a minute. Hans is still talking. When the heck does he go to the bathroom, right? So the answer is I've taken one bathroom break in the last – 
I think it's been over seven years now. And when I did take that break, I tweeted it. I said, hey, I just took my first bathroom break. And I think at that time it was like five years. And it was my most liked and most tweeted, retweeted tweet, I think ever. PTI, Kornheiser and Wilbon led their show with it the next day. Monday's PTI, they're like, pardon the interruption, but I'm like, Wilbon, your boy Scott Hansen went to the bathroom. Like it was <laughs> insane as to how many people thought it was fascinating. So techniques. Uh, I start watching what I eat and what I drink on Saturday. I'll still allow myself pretty much what I want, but you just, you know, I have never ordered Indian food for delivery mm -hmm. on uh, Saturday night. Let me put it that way. And nothing against Indian food. I love it. But, you know, you got dense proteins, you know, just, just uh, keep it, keep it, you know, the no, no extra sauces. Uh, Sunday morning, I wake up, wake up about 5 a.m., and I go into the studio. We have a cafeteria at NFL Network, and we have a chef there who makes me the same salty, dense protein breakfast. I get a turkey burger, no bun. I get uh, egg whites, uh, scrambled. I get uh, a muffin if I want to have some bread, like just a dense muffin. And then I have, I salt it all, and then I get crispy bacon and a side of Kalamata olives, mm. right? The very, I, I love olives to begin with, but a side of Kalamata olives, which is strange for breakfast, but it, it's salty, it helps me retain water. And I have one bottle of water uh, during the, this breakfast, which is about three and a half hours before the show. And then after that, I cut off everything. And I go to the bathroom maybe two or three times before the show, including when you guys are watching the five minute countdown clock, mm -hmm. everybody loves watching the countdown clock right before the show. When, when that clock is at about four to three minutes, I'm in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. that's, my, that's my time to get my mind right, get my bio break in and then come back. And then after that, it's the willpower of a ninja. And you just gotta, you gotta grind through and let the football take over and serve the audience. Yep. All right, oh, and well, by the way, is it dangerous? My doctor, I, I look, yeah. we can spend extra time. As long as you don't mind, I got extra okay, time. Sure. I, I want to get to these questions. My doctor, um, my specific doctor, I've never really had a discussion with, believe it or not, but I had a surgeon come up to me at the Super Bowl uh, two years ago, the Super Bowl that was in Atlanta. A guy comes up to me and he identifies, says, hey, I'm, I'm Dr. So-and-so, I'm, I'm a surgeon. I forget what type of surgery he's like. But he's, I just want to let you know, sometimes I have to do surgeries that are, you know, six, eight hours long. And I'm thinking, wow, okay, you know. And he's like, I can go to the bathroom if I want to, but I got to scrub back in when I come into the OR, and I don't like doing that. So once I get scrubbed in, I, I just get on lockdown, and I'll go six to eight hours without a bathroom break. And he's like, you're one of the few guys in the world who would understand that. I'm like, yeah. He's like, He's like, dude, he's like, don't worry. And again, he identified him as a surgeon. If there's any doctors watching, hit me up on social media and you can confirm or deny this. But he's like, your muscle is basically a, uh, your, your, your bladder is basically a muscle. And the more you use it and train it in a specific certain way, like other muscles, the, the more you'll be able to. So my bladder has been trained through the years. This will be my 12th season of hosting NFL Red Zone that I can do it. And to put a button on it, Adam, there are times when we roll the touchdown montage, right? Every touchdown from every game presented by Amazon Prime at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. And I take off my earpiece. I take off my microphone. I can go to the bathroom any moment at that time. I, sometimes I still don't go to the bathroom. 
I can get in my car, take off my suit, uh, get in my car, leave the studio, come back here to my condo in LA and turn on Sunday night football. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. Like it's crazy. It is crazy how I'm able to, to do it, but I'm thankful uh, that, that it won't. Oh, w- one last story. Everyone loves the pee stories. One last story. Everyone is fascinated by this. Do not think you're alone. I had an interview scheduled with Roger Goodell. So Roger was in LA. He was at NFL Network and I was hosting Total Access or something that day. So uh, he was going to do a, you know, an interview with the state of the NFL. And him and I are in the makeup room, right? He's getting his makeup on. I'm getting my makeup on for this interview. And he goes, Scott, I got to ask you, when do you go to the bathroom? The commissioner, right? And I'm like, I'm like, well, Roger, and I told him all the same stuff I just told you guys. And he goes, he looked at me and he goes, you're not going to be able to do that when you're in your 50s or your 60s. <laughs> and I laughed and, and uh, we had a good little chuckle about that. And, and I said, uh, I said, well, Kamish, I can only hope that medical science catches up with the male anatomy by then. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and so so everyone's fascinated by it. I have a good sense of humor. I try to about it, and and that's the story. Seriously, like I hope this doesn't become a prerequisite for your job because I I know like for me I'm approaching forty, and my dad's in his sixties. I mean he can't go he can't go one minute without going. He, he drinks a cup of coffee. He has like three stops on a three hour car ride. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm here's hopeful. The, in, in my civilian life, right? Like right now, I'll wake up almost every night in the middle of the night at some time and like, ah, I got to go, I got to go, you know, like, and so I'm like, this is, it's weird. It, it, I'm not joking. I think your body responds to what you know is required. And look at, I could take a bathroom break. It's not like it's illegal for me too, or anything like that. But just like, just like a junkie, a football junkie, I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. So if I can do it, biologically, I'm going to plow through and I've been able to for, for all these years. Uh, from Ryan Scullin, he says, has anybody ever told Scott that him and Ryan Tannehill look exactly alike? Ha! Oh my gosh. I didn't know this question was coming, but do you have a moment here? Sure. Okay. So I'm gonna tell a little backstory as I'm looking for something here. I, I do. I, I like to do um, charity work, like missionary and charity work. Uh-huh. And every off season, I, I usually, except for this year with, with lockdown, I'll pick a country and I'll go and I'll serve somewhere in, in the world. And, you know, usually children's ministries, orphanages, things like that. I, but, I, but uh, you know, I'll go and, you know, help out wherever there are needs, right? And the reason I tell you that in regards to Ryan Tannehill is one year I was going to India. Fascinating, fascinating country, subcontinent. Um, and before that trip, I was challenged by a guy named Mark Dominic. You guys probably know Mark Dominic. He used to be the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. And he was the GM of the Bucks at this time. This is six years ago, something like that, maybe more. And the Bucks were doing a thing, uh, shave your head uh, to raise money for, to fight pediatric cancer. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they had some of these young men and women these kids who were going battling cancer and, you know, with chemotherapy, some of them had lost their hair. And so the Buccaneers team said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to shave our heads. So we'll in unity with you guys and publicize it and all that. So Mark Dominic challenged me on a live interview on television. I had a home in Tampa at that time. He's like, Scott, when you're back at your home in Tampa, uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to be back next week. He's like, 
you're going to come and we're going to get one of these pediatric cancer patients to come and shave your head and they have a good time doing it. So I did that. I shaved my head and there's a picture of me with my shaved head next to Ryan Tannehill. Maybe I'll give it to you and maybe you guys can put it in yeah. afterwards if you want. Show it on sure. the screen here. And my own colleagues thought, that's crazy how much you look like Ryan Tannehill with, with a shaved head. So yes, I have heard that. And uh, I can't find the picture right now, but I'll get it to you. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't. I never thought of it before, but now that I'm looking at you, I do kind of see the resemblance. And Ryan Tannehill obviously had uh, came back to the forefront last year. So maybe you got something going there. Uh, yeah. Two famous football guys. Shoot, I'm sorry. I cannot find it right now, but I, no, I know. Send it to us later. It's, no worries. Yeah. Um, Josh wants to know what moment or moments he remembers most vividly while watching or calling games on Sundays. Is there a moment you remember from Red Zone where you were like, God, this is the best moment? There, there was. Um, and I cannot, and, and of course you're asking me that now, and I can't remember the week, but it was, it was the rookie year for Russell Wilson and RG3. And the reason I remember that is because they were both involved with this. Uh, it was, it was RG3 was playing at home at FedEx Field, and this is his rookie year, remember? Mm -hmm. Obviously, his NFL career took a, took a hard right turn, but in his rookie year, he had shown some awesome. things that were like, oh, yeah. Washington finally got their franchise quarterback. Uh, Skins had the lead, well, the, the, the team known then as the Skins, yeah. had the lead, and they were trying to run out the clock. They just needed a first down, okay? And that game was pretty important. I think it was a division game. At the same time, Russell, rookie quarterback Russell Wilson, who, remember, was not like highly thought of coming into the league, was a surprise that he won the job as a rookie and whatnot, is playing at home against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots in Seattle. They're down by a touchdown or, or less than a touchdown, but they needed a touchdown to win the game with like maybe a minute left. Okay? And then at the same time, Arizona is at home and they had, in the final seconds of the game, I think there's three seconds left, they had driven into field goal range, and it was a tie game at the time. And they were lining up like a super, I think it was a 50-yard field goal, 50-plus maybe. Okay. All three of those things are going on at the same time. So what, which one did we go to? Well, NFL Red Zone viewers know we don't have to choose at that point. We went triple box. So we go triple box to Seattle, to Washington, to Arizona. When that happens, we can't pick one of the play-by-play -play teams to call the action. I've got to call the action simultaneously. So we do, and it unfolded something like this. Tight games around the NFL. We're triple box right now. Look it up in Seattle right there. Russell Wilson with a deep shot. Wilson connects for the touchdown. I don't actually remember who caught it. It was Doug Baldwin or whoever it was. And uh, connects for the touchdown. Seahawks are going to take the lead. RG3 just needs a first down here. He takes it. It's a quarterback keeper off the left side. He's loose. He's up the left sideline. He snapped off by like a 75-yard rushing touchdown to ice the game. And at the bottom of the screen, Jay Feely is going to attempt a 50-yard field goal for the win. Oh, he hit it off the right upright. We're going to overtime in Arizona. And all of that happened within about a 60-second span. I'm sure it lives on YouTube somewhere probably. Hopefully my recollection of it is good. But all, it was 2013, I believe, would have been the season yep. when that happened. And we went triple box. And all three of those things, consequential, huge moments, especially involving two rookie quarterbacks that just – 
it, it led you to believe, wow, the future of these franchises, Seattle and Washington, is just unlimited. Well, with Seattle, it's been true. Washington's obviously had their issues. But when that moment hit, that was like, this is unlike anything that's on television. Yeah. And that's why I call the witching hour, that last hour of the, the fourth quarter of the early window, the greatest hour in sports television. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple people ask about the Saturday slate. The thing is, I think the Saturday slates are going to be more like back-to-back-to-back games. I don't think your services would be needed for that. But it is interesting that there might be less games on Sunday this year if the NFL does move yeah. games we've to Saturday. we got to see about that because as you and I speak right now, we still have some major college football that is yeah. scheduled to be played. I don't think the NFL goes to anything on Saturday out of the ordinary because yeah. we do have Saturday games scheduled, you know, late in December, but I don't think the NFL moves to a fall Saturday schedule at all until and unless all SEC, big 12 ACC are all shut down, which nobody knows at this time. So, yeah. yeah. All right. We got through all this except for one here. I don't even know if I should read this one. This is from Sean Newsham, PSU fans. He says, why does Scott and the guys show so many extra points? No one cares about extra points. Great question. I actually saw this question on Twitter, I believe. Yep. Uh, it was hit up. It was Sean. Okay. Yeah. Now, I hope that that question is actually genuinely trying to wonder, is there a legitimate reason to showing extra points? And I would ask the audience to, to follow me here. Yes, there is. Look, it, we are no fans of extra points like you guys are, unless it's a one-score game and the extra point makes it a field goal difference instead of a four-point difference, mm-hmm. unless... It's a tie game, and the extra point puts that team in the lead, okay? Extra points, since they've been moved back a few years ago, they're not automatic anymore, okay? They still are close, but they're not automatic, okay? And then the other thing is this, and it goes back to something we discussed earlier. You guys are watching NFL Red Zone. Scott Hansen is watching nine games. And when I see nine games – and a touchdown happens, and we're showing the celebration of the touchdown, my producer and I are already three steps ahead. If there's not a great location, a great landing spot to cut away from that celebration, my producer gets in my ear or I tell him, hey, let's eat the extra point. And that's literally what we say. We'll eat the extra point. And after that, that, that means we got another 30 seconds to find a landing spot. Okay? And in only in rare circumstances – are we showing you an extra point when there is something that's really neat happening somewhere else? Okay. If someone else is in the red zone and we've been on that, we're not, we're not sticking to watch the extra point unless maybe it's a tie game in the fourth quarter and you got to make sure that thing goes through the upright. Okay. So the answer to that is yes, we do show extra points, but there are always calculated reasons for it. Okay. For the reasons that I just said, and I'd hope people trust me because You think, why are you showing this extra point? There's got to be something else out there. I'm watching all the something else is out there. And if we stay there, it's like, okay, technologically or whatever, or football-wise, we need another 30 seconds, which how long an extra point takes, right, Uh, to get you to Dallas, to Green Bay, to San Francisco, to wherever, to get to the next great football action. So just trust us on that one. Come on, guys. They're they're professionals. Scott's a professional. They're not showing you. Nothing is not without reason. They're professionals. All right. S- Scott, this has been amazing. Really appreciate your time. Learned a ton. Tell the people where they can find you on social, anywhere else. Uh, yeah. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are my main uh, platforms. Uh, Twitter, at Scott Hansen, H-A-N-S-O-N. And uh, Instagram, at Scott Hansen 1. 
somebody took Scott Hansen. So I, I don't know. Hopefully it's not a bot. Hopefully it's not a, uh, you know, a, a one of those fake accounts. Anyways, it's been awesome to be with you here, man. And like I said, any, any friend of Pat Thorman's is a friend of mine. You guys keep watching Adam, keep reading Adam and Pat, and just you guys are in good hands for your fantasy football season. I uh, can't thank you enough for your time, Scott. And we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you real soon. We'll see you in about a month for seven hours. All right. Can't wait. Little seven hours of commercial free <laughs> football. See you, Adam. Mm-hmm.